brokenness. You can become bitter. I hate my circumstances. Why did God do this? Why did he allow this? Or you can go, Lord, this is coming to my life. How can you, how can I give glory and bring glory to you through this circumstance in my life? So if you're here this morning and you're broken, that's a good thing. If, if you will allow God to do a work in you through the brokenness and you can become better and then glory can come to God and the kingdom of God will advance. That's how God works. Now, some of you may have come in here this morning and you are not broken at all. You know how much use a, a, a wild horse is on the farm or on the ranch that's not broken? None, nada. They're just wild horses. They run. They might look pretty, but they're not useful. You can't use them to pull a wagon, to, to ride across the countryside, to, to, to do any good. So, so a, a horse, a wild horse, to be any good has to be broken. It's got to have a bit put in his mouth. It's got to have the guy that's going willing to ride that horse until he breaks his spirit. And so the same thing applies in the kingdom of God. If you were full, if you walked in here this morning... And maybe somebody invited you and you really didn't want to come and you just showed up and you got all this pride and you're arrogant and all this. And God, listen, God wants to break you this morning. He really wants to break you down this morning where you understand it's not about you. It's about him. Because that's what pride says. It's not about it's not about God. It's about me. I'm making the decisions. I'm the smart one. I'm the one doing all the I'm, I'm, I'm doing all the right things. And listen. If you've got that attitude this morning, right now, in Jesus' name, we just break that spirit of pride and ask that humility come so you can be broken and poured out and used in the kingdom of God to advance the kingdom of God. Amen? There's no greater example of a person in the Bible because all throughout the Bible, God used broken people. All throughout the Bible. But one of the greatest examples that I always fall back on, because I remember when I was learning, doing memory verses, I got into Psalm 51 and I learned some scriptures there. And I thought, oh, I love these scriptures. And then I began to read, what is Psalm 51 about? Psalm 51 is about the King David and his prayer of repentance. You see, with brokenness comes repentance. Brokenness. Listen to me read this scripture. It says in Psalm 51, verse 16, You do not desire sacrifice, David said, or I would offer one to you, Lord. You do not want a burnt offering. Listen, that means if you wanted a burnt offering, I would give you one. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Some people say contrite. Some translations say a contrite heart. He says, you will not reject. Listen, he will not reject you this morning if you have a broken and repentant heart toward him. Matter of fact, he says, come on, I can use you. Come on, I can restore you. Come on, I can heal you if you're willing to come with that kind of attitude, with that kind of heart. You see, David was in Acts, it says David was called a man after God's own heart. Okay, a man after God's own heart that committed adultery had the man's, uh, the woman's uh, husband killed. He was he was uh, pretty much broke all the commandments in that one evening, on that one few days. Lied. I mean, he did it all. And the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. But he had to come to a place of brokenness. He had to come to a place where, man, oh, really? You you knew that God? You you saw that in me? And he had to come before Nathan, the prophet. Uh, uh, I brought that before him, and he, had, he was broke down, man. He, he was broken. 
He was weeping. Lost his, his, his son over the, over the whole issue. And then he comes up and says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Restore the joy of your salvation. That's brokenness. And so today we're studying 2 Corinthians 4, written by a broken man. The Apostle Paul, on the way to Damascus, Pharisee of Pharisees, going to do God's work. Man, I'm going to go arrest some of those Christians, throw them in the jail, have them killed. I'm, I'm working for the kingdom. I'm working for God today. And he comes on the way and on the road to Damascus, he is knocked off his block, so to speak. He hits the dirt. He gets up. He's blind. And God says, why are you persecuting me? Oh, oh, oh. Matter of fact, he became the most humble person and broken person that's ever lived, probably. He's went from here to there in a moment. And God said, now I can use you. Uh, but I'm blind. That's good. I want you to be blind, Paul. I want you to have to be led by somebody else to Ananias. I want you to see the power of God because I want you to, I want, I'm going to demonstrate to you that it's not about you anymore. It's about me. See, that's what God's always going to do. He's always wanting to show off. He doesn't want you to show him, uh, show up him. He doesn't want you to take his glory. And that's why he said, I can use you if you're broken. Second Corinthians four, the very first verse is, therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. I like that because the, this new way he's talking about the new covenant of grace. He says, God has given us this new covenant. If you go back and, and study chapter 3, you'll see what he's prefacing all of this by. He says in chapter 3, verse 16, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Oh, come on. There is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed, listen, that veil is removed through brokenness can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Listen, some of you don't, you don't understand that the trials and tribulations of your life have caused you to change. And the more the trials, the more the tribulations, the more the things you go through, when you turn them and give them to God, the more you are reflecting His glory. That's what it says here. We, we are changed from glory to glory as we see Him. Listen, have you ever heard the saying, we become what we behold? We become what we behold. If all you're looking at is a certain thing, you become whatever you just beholding, whatever you're gazing on, whatever you're putting your hope, whatever, whoever you're putting your trust in. That's who you become. That's what you become. And God's called us to behold him because he wants us to look like him because we were made in his image and he wants the glory for it. There's this new way that God has given us. It's a way of freedom. It's a way of grace. And that way, Paul talks about, leads to open, honest, transparent life. The more we're in his presence, the more we become like him. You see, God is not about tricks. He's about the truth. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, the second verse in 2 Corinthians 4. This is Paul. He's speaking to the church at Corinth. I understand. I used to just, people would read that, and i go, what is he talking about, Corinthians? He established, Paul was a, a missionary. He established a church in the city of Corinth. Now he's writing letters. This is the second letter he's written. Many people believe that he, he wrote three letters, but only two have been found. And he wrote these letters to the church at Corinth, okay? It would be like me leaving and writing a, a letter back to the church at San Angelo. That's what he was doing. He was writing a letter. And if you read 1 Corinthians, you will see that these people were messed up. 
they were dead. They were messed up. They were prideful. They were doing everything pretty much wrong. And so he was ministering to them to the word of God. And then he ministers to them again as, as they but they're doing better when he writes them the second. one. But he, here's the thing. He said, we reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. In other words, he's saying whenever we come, whenever we write, whenever we minister, we're doing it through the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not doing this of our own accord. It's not for us. Apparently, he had to caution people because other people were coming in saying the wrong things. Did you know there are false prophets out there? Did you know there are false teachers out there? Did you know there are false preachers out there? And they don't even mean to be false, but they're preaching a, a wrong gospel. They're, they're, they're preaching something that's contrary to the word of God. He said, we tell the truth before God. Listen, when I stand up here... I'm telling you, I, I, don't, I don't get nervous before I preach. I think I get nervous while I'm preparing to preach. God, is this what the people need to hear? God, I was praying last night in, in my office. I, was, I, have my little, I have my little thing that I do when I, the night before, and, and I went to my office, and, and I said, Lord, whatever, if it's not from you, let it fall to the ground. May they not even hear it. Because I want the, the truth to go forward. I'm, I'm not here to tickle your ears to make you happy. I'm just not. Paul says we answer to somebody greater. We tell the truth before God. I'm trying. I'm telling the truth before God. I'm not going to get up here and tell you a lie, bunch of lies, because if I did, I'm afraid I might be a crispy critter. <laughs> I fear God way more than I fear you. You know, some of you might come up and say, I don't like what you said. Well, I'll take it up with God. You know, show me in Scripture. Let's look at it. Is your gospel hidden or is it seen? That's a question I'm going to ask you. Look at verse 3. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. It's not an automatic thing. He just can't blind the eyes of people because he wants to blind them. He blinds the eyes of the people who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So Paul's saying that this, this gospel we preach, many people don't understand it. It's like there's a veil over their eyes. It's like it's hidden from them. But he also says Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So two weeks ago, I brought a sermon that probably is one of the most talked about sermons I ever preached. It was about counterfeit or real faith. Counterfeit or real faith. I, I had people come. We did a house cleaning. We'd done a house cleaning, Pastor. We went in. We, we did like you said. And we were getting things out of our house that we know that shouldn't have been there. We got things out of our house that we, we didn't realize that we even had in our house. I'm going to ask you how many, just be honest, how many went home and actually did a house cleaning, a spiritual house cleaning? A few of you. I'm going to encourage you to, the rest of you to do that. You might think your houses are spick and span, and the enemy, listen, he's trying to blind you. He's trying to get into your kids, and he wants to bring all these things into the forefront of your kids' minds by the music they listen to, the videos they watch, the video games they play, and the same thing applies to you that applies to them. 
What are you letting into your house? Because the enemy is a tricker. He, he does things by deceit. God tells the truth. And he's saying, listen, people, are you going to let Jesus be seen or is he going to be hidden in your life? It, it, the question is, do people see Jesus in you or do you hide him really well? Do, do, you, do you put him in the background is, or is he at the forefront of your life? Because if he is really real in your life and he is not hidden, in other words, you're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're not, a, you're not ashamed to declare Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I'm telling you, there's coming a day when it's going to be where a lot of people are going to be just scared to do it because of the government. They're going to be scared to say, I'm a Christian, because they're going to be afraid that somebody is going to get their name and their number and they're, they're going to be under attack. They're going to be under persecution. Listen, we can never come to that place as true Christians. You know, used to people would like, amen, brother, preach it. Back when nobody ever thought that was going to happen. Right? Y'all hear me? And it's slowly, slowly, slowly. See, the enemy is sly. He is deceitful. One woman, one woman said, I don't like this prayer in school. Madeline Murray O'Hare, one woman, one atheist. And we went, oh, that must be a bad thing. Let's get prayer out of school. And the decline of America began. Kill babies. Oh, let's call it pro-choice. That sounds so much better than killing babies. Let's vote that in. Let's think that that's going to be good for our country. Decline. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Because the enemy has just come in and we have been blinded by his tricks. We refuse to stand up and be the light that God's called us to be. Even if we're cracked pots, he can shine through us. Verse 5, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. He's trying to let these people know it's not about us. You know, there are a lot of preachers and they can tell the some preachers are the best joke tellers. I'm one of the worst joke tellers. My humor kind of comes out naturally. It's just just my life, my lifestyle or whatever going on in my life. It's just some that's how my humor comes out. But some people, some preachers, they can just tell them. How many of you know preachers? And they get up and they begin their sermon with a joke. Everybody loses. Ah, that's great. Woo. Just laughing. Then they tell another joke because that went over so well. And then they begin to tell you about themselves. And they begin to preach about themselves. And they forget to preach Jesus. Paul said, we are not going to be that pe- those people. We are going to tell the truth about Jesus Christ. He's Lord. Does that mean humor is bad in the pulpit? No. Does that mean that we can't inject our own testimony into, into, into sermons? No, it doesn't mean that at all. But I'm telling you what, when the preacher becomes the focus, when the speaker becomes the focus, and God doesn't, and he takes second place, then there's a problem. There's a problem. Because it's not about the speaker. It's not about the preacher. It's about Jesus Christ. And Paul was so 
adamant about the fact that said we're not going to be preaching ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, because I can stand here and I can represent God, but I can't make you light. I can't give you light. I can't make you shine. Only God can do that. Only God can put his hand in. Only God can reach inside you and make you illuminate like nobody's business. Only he can do that. Now, to the meat of the message, verse 7. I love this verse. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this treasure, this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Point to yourself, say, I'm just a fragile clay jar. Did you know you're just an ordinary dish? Ordinary dish. When you go and do the, look into this a little more in, in, in the Greek, we're not talking about fine china. We're talking about Melmac. All the older people, ah, Melmac, I know what Melmac is. How many of you don't know what Melmac is? <laughs> oh, we are old. <laughs> Melmac was the savior of dishes. If you had a family, it's like plastic dishes. Thick plastic dishes. You could throw across the room, they would not break. Complete sets of Melmac. You go to the grocery store, Safeway, or one of those M system, you just start collecting your Melmac. It was dishes. They are? Is it making a comeback? Yes, for Melmac. <laughs> what does that even mean, Melmac? Like Mel macaroni and cheese. I don't know. He says here, we are just ordinary dishes. We are not fine china. How many of you know, how many of you in your homes, you have ordinary dishes? Okay, so some of you, y'all just eat off the floor and the, and the table, right? It's amazing how people don't want to answer questions. Ordinary dishes. I don't know, honey, do we have ordinary dishes? I don't know, do we? How many of you have forks and spoons in your house? It's awesome. See, some of you don't have them. We're going to take up some collection for you. That's good. How many of you had fine china? I see a lot more in this, this service than the other one. Mary Lou likes fine china. How many sets do we have, honey? A bunch. Garage sale, china, cheap. Yeah, we can, we can use that, honey. Honey, we've got like 12, 15 sets of china. No, but we might need this someday. Our kids are going to love it when the estate sale comes. Uh, unless we're raptured out, right? You know what you do with fine china? You get it out, and, and it, 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 you set it up, and it looks all pretty, but then you put it back up. You don't use it every day. It breaks real. You just look at it, and it'll break. <laughs> you know? And you pay a lot more money for that, and then you've got the ordinary dishes that survive and go on and on and on. See, God's called us ordinary dishes. We're ordinary clay pots that we get chipped. We, we crack. So in other words, we're crack pots, Right? Just a bunch of crackpots. 
But the thing is, God can use us with all the cracks. He can use us with all the chips, with all the dents, with all the problems. He can use us because when we come to the place and understand that brokenness, that God, that he allows brokenness to come into our life, and he uses those things to bring us closer to him, then we can shine for him like nobody's business. If you're all sealed up jar, you can't shine very much. So we have this treasure. I want to read to you what one writer of, of, one, of the, one of the commentaries that I, I, I really like, he wrote this about the treasure because he just says this treasure. Say treasure. I have this treasure. The treasure is this. The greatness of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the glory of God made evident through that gospel. It is the very light of God and the light of the knowledge of the glory of God reflected in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what we hold here. Does that amaze you or what? I'm telling you. And he says, I'm going to put this most awesome gift, this most awesome treasure that you can't, you can't afford it. It really is priceless. I'm going to give you this gift. I'm gonna, why would you put it in me, Lord? Why would he choose us? Does that amaze you or what? That he would choose us, us broken people, us human flesh people that mess up more than we, may, than we should. We make more bad choices than we should. And we walk through this life and we stumble and we fall and all these things that are, are broken in us. And God says, I'm going to put that treasure in you, Harold. I want to put that treasure in you, Stephanie. I want to put that treasure in you, Janice. Can you imagine why would he do that? Sometimes if I want to question God, that's when I want to question him on. Why would you do that, God? We're no good. Our hearts are evil, the Bible says. Our, our righteousness is as filthy rags, the Bible says. And yet he chooses. He chose to send his son to die for us, to send the spirit of God to reside in us broken people. I mean, that's a hallelujah. Amen. We're just fragile clay jars. And God says, I love you. And I'm going to entrust this treasure to you. What are you going to do with that treasure? Because here's what God, I believe he calls us. He calls us broken beauties. Broken beauties. Say broken beauties. Look at verse 8. And this is where the cracks come from, okay? This is Paul saying, we are pressed on every side by troubles. Anybody had any troubles lately? Now that one, you amen. Oh, yeah. Forks and spoons, no, but that, yeah. He said, we are pressed on every side. Listen, he is, when we think we're pressed on every side, he really meant it. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. Say, I'm not crushed. We are perplexed. That means that sometimes we've got questions, he said, but not driven to despair. Have you ever been to a place, I don't understand this, God? Have you ever been there? But listen, he says, you can be in that place, but don't despair. Don't despair. We are hunted down but never abandoned by God. 
You know who hunts us down is the enemy. It says he goes to and fro about the earth, seeking whom he may devour. And Paul was going, he had actual people hunting him down. He had actual Jews hunting him down. Many believe that the thorn in his, in his flesh were the Pharisees would dog him from town to town to town, arrest him, throw him in prison, beat him, whatever it took to get him off the, out, out of the scene, off, out of the picture. Anything that they could do, they would go after him. So he was hunted down, but he was never, through all the hunting down, he was never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, he says, but we are not destroyed. Anybody been knocked down lately? You know, see, sometimes, here's the deal. Sometimes we're knocked down because we make bad choices. Sometimes we are hard-pressed because we made bad choices. We've made bad decisions. But God, even in our bad choices and decisions, God can be there for us to bring us back, to restore us and redeem us. Amen? I mean, if he, could, if he couldn't do that, we're lost anyway. He said, we get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Everything Paul was about was about Jesus. See, that, that's what this message is about. The hardships the, the tribulations, the trials, the disease, the divorce, all, all the financial problems, all these things, family issues, all these things that come to our life to, to knock us down. God says, I can restore you. I can, I can redeem you from that. You don't have to be a blight. You don't have to give up. You don't have to have thoughts of suicide. You can live a victorious life. I don't care what's happened in your past. I don't care how many times you've been locked up. I can set you free. He says, yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. Now, I want, to, I want, you, you, get, I want you to hear this, what, what he's saying here. The things that I've been going through, he says, have been a benefit to you. God had to break me, okay? God had to break me and say, Harold, this is not the plan I have for your life. He had to bring me to my knees. I, I was actually making fun of a guy when the Holy Spirit just jumped all over me. I was making fun of another Christian. I can't believe it. He's just bawling his eyes. That the Holy Spirit's come upon him. God said, you, you want to make fun of him? <laughs> I'm on the floor crying. Mary Lou didn't know I'm crying. God gave me a vision. What you going to do, Harold? Talk about broken? I thought I had everything I could ever want. I had a beautiful wife. Beautiful kids, lived at the country club, had a business that was prospering. I thought, man, everything's good. God said, no, I need to break you. Because you want to know what's good is when you're doing my work. Excuse me. It's plastic. It's good. And, And listen, please understand, this is not me bragging. But have, and I'm very cautious about saying this, but I think it needs to be said. Have I been a benefit to you? Because why? Because God. Not because Harold. You have to understand that I, in and of myself, I can't do anything. But the same holds true for you have been a benefit to me and my wife and my children. I don't even know how much you bless us. 
You don't have a clue, do they? When we get phone calls from people like Teresa, like our daughter in Christ over here. Pastor, I heard a word this morning. Share it. Tell me what it was. And she told me, she said, there are going to be some lonely people here today. She, she knows lonely. She knows broken. She knows the light of Christ shining through her. I see her and I see the light. Is she perfect? No. Are her children perfect? No. Is her husband perfect? No. But the light of Christ shines because they were willing to allow the brokenness to make them better and not bitter. See, that's, that's, where, most of, that's where many of you are this morning. You're in a place of there's some brokenness, there's some pain, there's some tribulation, there's some trials going on. There's some divorce, there's family issues, there's financial issues in your life. And God is speaking to you through those things. And he said, listen, don't let those things destroy you. Let them build you up. He says it in James 1, 2. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for what? Great joy. Say great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance, an opportunity to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. He's saying, listen, the trials and tribulations can make you awesome. If you will listen to him, if you will turn these, let, let God turn what the enemy meant for bad. Let God turn it for good. He's good at that. He's good at that. You know what we do? We whine. I, I titled this little section, Whining or Winning. Tragedy comes. Oh, God, why did you allow that? And God said, listen, listen, I'm here. Oh, so-and-so died. Oh, that's okay. I've got a plan for him. They're with me. Well, Lord, you haven't heard you haven't heard about my, my finances. Listen, I, I can help you with that. I told you I'd, I'd give you, I, I promised you I'd take care of all your needs. Where's your trust? I've said this before. I'll say it again. God didn't respond very well to whining. He responds to faith. You can whine all you want to. And God will go, okay, just keep whining. Just keep whining. See what that see what they get you. Three dollars in uh, whining will get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Maybe that's all. Nothing else. You used to say fifty cents, but we didn't say that. We won't say that anymore. And then Paul says this. We're going to close. My ministry team, get ready. Paul says, we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. I like that. I believed in God, so I spoke. That's what Paul, that's what Paul says. We believed in God, we're speaking. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present him to us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. Again, he's doing it for everybody else's benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying and our, our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles. Listen to this, church. For our present, say my present troubles. Whatever your present trouble is. 
He says, for our present troubles are small. Say, they're small. small. Say, my present troubles are small. small. And they won't last very long. (laughs) This too shall pass. pass. You see, when we weigh the troubles that we're going through now against the glory of God in the future, Paul was saying they don't amount to anything. And his, tr- his troubles were way worse than most people's will ever be. Imprisoned, beaten, shipwrecked, left in a heap of uh, uh, rubble, dogged everywhere he went, threatened all the time. He said, listen, that ain't nothing compared to what God's got from me. Can we just begin to start seeing things differently? Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last for. I remember uh, Francis Chan. Anybody know who Francis Chan is? Have you ever seen the rope? The the deal he does about the rope? It's profound. He has a guy off stage, and he brings in a rope, and he's got this rope, and he brings this rope in. He drags it in here, and he's holding this rope in his hand. He's straightened about as far as he can go with this rope. Y'all got the mental picture now? I've got a rope in my hand. He said, you see all that rope? He said, now you see this end of the rope? This end of the rope, he had about this much of the end of the rope, and it was painted red. Y'all got that mental picture? Rope here, red. Rest of the rope. Going out the building, down the street, down the river, wherever, across America. He said, this red part represents your life here on earth. The rest of the rope represents eternity. He said, don't you want to live the best you can live is the Live for Jesus, this red part, because it affects the eternity. You give your life to Jesus here, eternity with Jesus. So what Paul is saying here is, just, listen, what we're going through here is nothing compared to eternity. So some of you think, I'm going through some bad things. Let God make you better instead of being bitter. Would you stand this morning? You see, this morning, some of you think you're a failure, and God says, no, we're going to take that failure and turn it for my glory. Some of you are going through tribulations. God said, listen, these trials and tribulations, these are going to be for my glory. Ministry team, go ahead. Come on. It's called life, church. It's just called life. Everybody goes through stuff. I know that's a... Weird word, but everybody goes through things. Everybody in here, unless we're raptured out, you're going to experience a loss of life in your family. You're going to experience probably financial difficulty. You'll probably find there's family issues. Everybody. It's called life. And here's the thing. We have this treasure within us. Put your hand over your heart. We got this treasure within us that outshines and outweighs and outperforms anything you and I can do. So when the cracks come, the lights begin to shine through it. If we allow it. Father, we thank you for the treasure that's within us today. The very light of the gospel, the very light of Jesus Christ, the very light of your Holy Spirit lives in us.
And Lord, we're thankful. May we shine. Through all the issues of our life, may we allow you to shine. At one point in your word, Lord, you said you are the light of the world. Then you turned around and said that we are the light of the world. Because you put this light in us, this treasure. And Lord, may we allow that light to shine. May we not hide it under a bushel. May we not keep it a secret in our lives. But may the light of Christ shine through us, especially through our times of difficulty. Because we see your glory. Father, for those who are in this, here this morning that are prideful, never have given their life to Christ, and the weight of sin even now is beginning to weigh heavily on them. They don't even understand why this pressure is starting to come upon them, Lord. This conviction of your love. I pray for the brokenness of their spirit. That they would come and surrender their life to you. And they wouldn't look back. Father, for the Christians that are already here this morning that have gone through some trials and tribulations, even as they're going through them now, Lord, and they become bitter, Lord, today would be a day of repentance, just like David. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me that repentance would take place so they could be useful in the kingdom again. And Father, I just thank you for those that are walking through the trials today that let their light shine. I've been doing that for ages, and they just transformed not only themselves but their their families and the people they come in contact with because they're letting their light shine even through the difficulties of life. Father, I just bless those today to know you that don't know you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. We have ministry team up here this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please step out and come. Let us pray with you. Mary Lou, what was the word you had for me? Honey, I, I'm, what was it you told me to share? Because I want to share that. About the loss. Yeah, I just had a sense this morning that there might be someone here. And even this week, you've said the words. Uh, can't let myself off the hook. And I thought there might be a lot of pain in your shoulder area or something like that. But if you carry that, that might be a word for more than one person. But if you feel that way, you diminish the cost of the cross. So let yourself off the hook today and let Jesus heal you. That means forgive yourself. Okay. So we want to just step out and come. We want to pray for you. If, if you're one of those people that you're going through a lot of things right now, you're struggling with allowing it to make you better instead of bitter. Can we pray with you this morning? Can we just pray over you and encourage you today? If you're prideful and you've come here and you don't know Jesus Christ, then today you know this has been, this is your, your appointment with God. And he wants to meet you right where you are today. Just step out and come. We want to pray for you. Just quickly. We don't embarrass anybody. We're not going to bring you up on the stage. and do any, well, Matter of fact, they'll take you to a prayer room and pray with you. They'll listen to any questions you have. We don't rush it. We want to. We want to meet your needs. We want to be a part of the, of helping people. So step out and come. Maybe God's saying this is up where I want you to plant. I want you to. I want you to really dedicate yourself to this being your church home. And you've never said yes because you've been afraid to plug in because you've been hurt by a church, been hurt by a pastor, you've been hurt by people in the church before. And you're just kind of standoffish about getting involved. But God said this is the place I want you to be. 
And you would come knowing that we're not perfect. This is not the perfect church. But this is a place you're going to get loved on. We will love you. And we will come alongside you. So anybody else need prayer this morning? Would you step out and come? The rest of you may be seated. We'll wait for you if you need prayer. Anybody else? Okay. Okay, a couple of announcements.